1: And listen, this is a time to bury yourself in the Word of God. Listening to the Word in my office, in my house, in my bathroom, and just reading it, studying it, listening to it, revisiting notes. Um, you really can't immerse yourself enough in the Word of God because it does remake you. It renews you. And if you think of it like your body where we need to shower often because no matter how often we shower, we're still decaying. We're still, you're just going to not smell pretty, whether you run a mile or you don't. You ever notice those days where you're just sitting around at home? You're like, what is that? Oh, that's me. I need to take a shower. And I haven't even done anything, just being on the planet. You're breaking down. And, and so the word of God, you need that constant intake in your regular diet to keep you clean, keep you straight and to keep you moving forward in Christ. There's a statement that, well, there are many statements that Dr. Price made last Thursday, but last Thursday she said that God is working on making you like Jesus, not the church. And many times we assess who we should be or not be as Christians or the elect as, as we are emphasizing now, the apocalyptic elect of God. Uh, we measure that by what the church does, not by who Jesus is. And that's a really big thing to remember and hone in on, because if you are assessing yourself by the wrong standard, then you will receive the wrong results. In my earlier years with Dr. Price, whenever we had arguments <laughs> about um, not maintaining standards, so Dr. Price would say things like, people live like this, 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 and this. Up here at this standard keeping a place clean keeping the things keeping things in order that sort of thing and then um, somebody would say well I know somebody who doesn't clean their house every day I know uh, people who don't do this and who don't do that you listen Prophet Norm is laughing because she's been here that long to be in those conversations and dr. price would make a key statement that the first time she said it I think I'm still doing cricket she said but why are you always measuring what I say and what you should be doing by the person who is least holding up the standard. Why aren't you reaching up? Why are you always reaching down? Why? How come every time we're teaching about you being up here, you're letting me know how many people live down here? This is the problem. And I thought, ooh, that is so true because – Going back to Rebellion Starts in the Heart, also from last week, (laughs) a little painful moment right there, got a little something in my throat, Rebellion Starts in the Heart, and how you'll know what your true, true, who your true self is by the first thing that comes to your mind, even if you restrain it from coming out of your mouth. Because if you're really well-trained, you won't say it, because you know better but you'll still think it so you'll say okay but you'll think know well, not everybody does that i mean that's just ridiculous to do i mean how can it and, and this is how we are in christ with Well, i mean nobody's perfect nobody was perfect but jesus and and all these standards and nobody can live up to that and nobody can be and, and so we ignore the scriptures that talk about us being perfect in christ and the things that actually do bring us up to our godhood standards and status and And in that, with this statement about God is working on making you like Jesus, not the church, when you're battling, when you're going through, when you're pressing to break through, are you comparing yourself to the church and its failures? Because we don't even compare ourselves to the people who've done it right in the body of Christ. Well, so-and-so isn't doing that, and they have 10,000 members. Well, thus and what worship team wears ripped jeans, and they have six albums, and they've sold this many, and they're making that much money. So what's your problem? Because we're measuring ourselves by what the church is doing and not who Jesus is, we're not thinking about how we have an eternal destination obligation, and responsibility, and the spiritual ramifications and consequences of our decisions. Because we've brought everything down to the evangelical, it's all about love, it's all about feeling, it's all about whatever, and not about the eternal Jesus Christ, we're very short-sighted, like a bunch of kids. You're trying to tell your kids, this habit is going to lead to this result. Oh, mom, mom, oh, dad, you're just... Ah. Okay, wash the dishes every day, run the vacuum, wash your clothes, make your bed. Oh, you're just doing this, and I just and as soon as I have my own place and I'm not going to, and I'm so tired of you telling me what to do, and we do act like a bunch of kids with Jesus Christ, kids in the kingdom can't wait. where's the candy? Come on, where's the junk food? We want the junk food ministry. Where are the sweets? Where are the treats? Don't give me those vegetables. I don't want to eat that salad. We want to go to a church that's on carbohydrate overload and <laughs> spirit. Like everything you eat is a carb, you know, carbo-Christians. Oh, oh you know. Carbo-Christians, just everything's carbs. Everything turns to sugar. Everything puts you on a high. And if it's anything organic, anything holistic, oh, where's the flavor? That's, that's no fun. That's no this. That's no that. And that's how we are in the body of Christ right now. When you see the things what, that the overwhelming majority of people are following, I'll say this. I won't even say it like that because that might not be accurate. What the media, even Christian media, wants to be trending. Because a lot of times you think that because it's in the media that it's actually pervasive or more pervasive than it is. Because we're seeing a lot of saints go back to what? Denominations. Coming out of that charismatic movement, going back to where it's safe. Safe and what they call safe and boring, see? Because, you know, we wanted all that liberty and freedom and found out you still need rules. You still need hierarchy. You still need a chain of command you still need safety protocols in order to protect you and so because we're measuring ourselves by the church and not by jesus christ our standards of accuracy are in incorrect because it's when you get back in your word and you find out oh the lord said that's what that scripture actually says or my favorite that i learned once i met dr bryce that's not in scripture. I grew up hearing this my whole life in a really good church, and that's not Scripture? And that's when you say, are you sure? (laughs) I mean, I remember some of the key things I heard her say, and I thought, I mean, she's right on what she's saying, like everything else. But is that right? That's not Scripture? And this was, you know, just the... Beginning of Google Day. So we didn't have a search engine where you could sit in church and, and do something. You had to actually have a concordance, go into a Bible, know where things are, know how to read them, Greek and Hebrew lexicon. Strong, I mean ex- exhaustive. I remember our, my mom's Green Strong's concordance growing up. That book was so heavy. And I was so little. And so it probably wasn't so heavy actually. It was just heavy for me that so you had to dig through and find out. And so some of us, when you get into the true, a true word church that actually digs into the true, authentic word of God, you find out how many things that you were raised on are not scripture. I went to a Christian university. with the ORU, and they said uh, the whole creed that Oral got his mandate that he got from God, like we say here about Price University and things like that, all the students knew. They said it so much that students who were weak in their words thought it was Scripture. Go where my voice is and whatever it was because it was a prophecy. And so because it was a prophecy, people thought it was Scripture. It was on the back wall, not the Word of God. The mandate was on the back wall, which at some point you would have in a university. But it was said so much, people thought it was the Scripture that the university was standing on, not the mandate to the founder. And that's how I felt when I met Dr. Price. I was like, some of these things, that's not in the Bible? This is, John 3.16 actually says, should be saved, not will. Should and will are two different things com- with two very different outcomes. Because one is a surefire thing. That's how we get one saved, always saved. Because we will be saved. Not should, you yeah, you, Okay. You might kind of skate out of a little bit. So I encourage you in this season to really get into your word, dig deep into these teachings, and know that your soul is at stake. I mean, I can see now how so many people fall because of what's in their soul. I mean, the things that trip people up get you out of your position. You look up and you find, you ask yourself, what's the infamous question? How did I get here? How did I get here? That's soul work. Speaking of soul work, every second Sunday of the month, Dr. Price has been doing actually for two years with our congregation, Let's Talk Soul Sunday. And she digs deep. Oh, guys, this Sunday, she 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 was deep in my business. All right, I don't know about anybody else in that room. Actually, I do know about everybody else in that room because later on we were all talking about it. She was digging deep in the soul, because the soul, whew, in that soul, so many things can go right or wrong <laughs> in that soul area, the unresolved issues of the soul. And, uh, and so, you going to put it up, okay, go ahead and put it up on the screen. Starting in October, we are opening Soul Sundays up online virtually it's already open to the public here in tulsa but for those of you who are online you can register for let's talk soul sunday it's a powerful time it's a two-hour session from four to six o'clock and dr price goes in on the soul realm so you'll see here i'm just going to look at my broadcast here soul sunday let's talk and you'll see october what's the date Ten. Thank you. October 10th, registration, early bird registration is $75. Now, for those of you who have ever had counseling, ever had therapy, a bad therapist is going to charge you $150 an hour, 250 easily, where you walk away saying, did that help me? I mean, I know I talked a lot, but did it help? And in these two hours, you will get more deliverance and healing and direction Because Dr. Price's vision is do it yourself. She wants to equip us to do it ourselves. So once we leave that session with my, I don't know, six or seven pages of typed notes, mind you, and I can go home and revisit and cry when I'm by myself and thank God for it and dig in that toolkit and see what's stuck in my soul drain. What's keeping this thing from going down the drain and, and flushing all the way out? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Uh, and once we work that out, we can surely recover all. And so you'll see some commercials and promos uh, giving you clips and highlights of some of the information that's already been taught. And let's talk Soul Sunday so you understand. Now, if you follow Dr. Price, then you already know whatever the fee is, is going to be worth it. But this information did not come to her freely, and we are not giving it away freely. I mean, I I always tell Dr. Price, I haven't said it in a while, that Thursday is the free clinic. The Jesus and Paula show is the free clinic. That's when the clinician is in and, you know, they bring in one of the top surgeons or doctors from the area and they work in the free clinic giving back to the community. Sunday is, come on now, tune in, come one, come all. But for Let's Talk Soul Sunday, that's a specialist session When we're dealing with those specialized issues, and you know when you go to a specialist, you have to reach into a different place financially for that, unless your insurance covers it, and then we'll see how much, because you're going to get a different caliber of information. That specialist has honed in and made their whole practice on mastering this one area or system of the body, and we're dealing with the soul system in Soul Sundays. It's your whole systematic and systemic self in the soul. What happens in your soul that causes systematic responses and what is systemically uh, rooted in you to where things come out of it? And that's what I really love is that we get to that systemic issue, laying the ax to the root of the matter and uh, another phrase she says is I'm going to educate your devils off of you when you walk out of soul Sunday you understand whenever you read how many times understanding is in scripture how you need to have understanding Jesus praying that the eyes of their understanding open and then he could do other things and and, uh, the Old Testament talking about your understanding so when you understand you're standing under understanding what is under you what is standing under you, then you can be solid in your foundation. When we walk away, we might have a slight limp. Whoop! <clears throat> she got me in my thigh, you know, inscription and wrestle with that angel boy. <laughs> Sometimes you wrestling. And if you are somebody who is wrestling with the devil, I'm telling you, you need to Enroll and register in soul Sunday. You're going to get more information about how you can do that It's going to be streamed on two platforms Facebook, and it's a paid registration through Facebook So don't say well. I'll just wait to see the go live notification It's a closed thing and then we're also going to use the zoom platform for those who are not on Facebook But still want to participate so we'll have the dual broadcast happening there so that you can all plug in You'll need to bring your laptop. I know you're going to be watching from a device, but you'll want to take notes because that's cool. Now, we sit here on Thursday taking copious notes. My mom always tells me, she said, I'm telling you, we need some daytime awards. She said, this show needs an award (laughs) because this is one of the best broadcasts on social media. This needs an award. And so we want you to be equipped. When we're talking about rebellion starting in the heart, you can say it, but can you recognize it in you? That's what deliverance looks like to me in some ways. When I can see something coming, when I can then recognize, ooh, I'm about to do it again. That's a huge step in deliverance. Because when you're not delivered or when you need deliverance, what do you always say? I don't know how I keep getting up here. I don't know what happens. Like you're oblivious to your own bondage and how, how it's working you. And then when it's on the outside of you, you're like, I see you coming. Mm-mm. Nope, nope, shields up. All right, I see that this, uh-uh. And, and so make the time October 10th, 4 to 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Most people are in between church services anyway. If you have an evening service, that's also why she picked that time on a Sunday. There are those in Tulsa who go to other ministries. They attend other churches. They're members there. And then they come for Soul Sunday to get their healing, to get their specialized visitation from the lord concerning their issues you don't want to miss that you don't want to ignore the soul and dr. price always teaches that we have given so much attention to the spirit that we and the body because lord knows don't i don't need this and i don't need that man if people took as good a care of their soul as they do their flesh we might be a little bit better maybe a little bit better and so she said what entered adam was rebellion genealogically genealogically he entered i'm telling you what is anybody else getting is their mind just like doing this every week the more we learn about the before the garden the more we learn about the garden and tree talk and what really went down i mean because we've heard it taught well you know they just okay god created everything and Then they hung out in the garden for a while, like botanical gardens, just kind of chill and uh, have some, you know, look in and have my massage at 2 p.m. And I'm going to have my visit. Me and my girls were going to do mani-pedis. And they were just chilling in the garden, waiting on God, basking in the glory. He walked in the cool of the day. They fellowshiped with him. They had a regular schedule, tea and crumpets at a certain time with the Lord, prayer time maybe, worship, whatever. And uh, then here comes this little guy. Now, where did that little guy come from? Where did that little snake come from? Now, what's your name? My name is Adam. My name is Eve. Wow, welcome to our garden. We haven't seen you. And we really teach it like this little slithering little barter snake just kind of came up. It's like, guys, I'm lost. Can you show me uh, where this is? Well, how did you get here? And, and we have this whole American story time approach to this phenomenal, phenomenal intergalactic moment <laughs> and season and era. That happened there, and so learning the backstory, learning what happened in the war in heaven, learning Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah, what is it, 14, Isaiah 14, yes, Isaiah 14, okay, yes, and and the exchanges throughout. Hey, my last well person who knows, and the exchanges throughout time and eternity, and how you know Satan basically brought the fight to Earth and tried to do another hostile takeover. <laughs> so take a friend, it, that? Is that your ring? Is that a cow? Sounds like a cow. Is The cell phone ring is a mooing cow. Now, that's new. That's new. Years ago, we had somebody whose phone rang, yo, phone ringing. That's what it said. Yo, phone. And then it would escalate. Yo, phone ringing. <laughs> we were like, moving on. Okay, so back to the whole uh, garden experience. And so we had this botanical garden idea and not like you know, a jungle garden. I mean, come on. We're talking about what God made, everything. If he scaled things down now, look at the Amazon now. Can you imagine what truly? No, we can't. Because when Dr. Price made this statement, it made so many things make sense as to why we really sometimes can't conceive what life was like at that time, because we only know the fallen version of creation. We only know the fallen version of humanity. We don't know what predated that. It's like people who meet us and they think they know us, and then they meet our families, and they meet the people who knew us before we got here. And there's a whole other insight that you gain when you meet the people who knew you back when. And it's like, ah, really? Hmm, do tell. Ah. And so she taught us that, you know, Satan really tried to use that as an advantage to hoodwink Adam and Eve into what ultimately happened. And so learning that and building upon it, but you have to study and keep things uh, moving and interweaving together so you can synthesize what you're learning and not just keeping your thoughts isolated. Well, this is church, and this is the broadcast, and this is the school, and this is the thing over here, but it is a continuum. Anybody have the book, all right? So it's a continuum of the learning experience. I remember when I was a kid, I played the piano, and then I learned to play the clarinet. And it took me a minute to realize that even though they were two different instruments, it was the same notes on the scales. I felt very slow in that moment when I had that epiphany because I thought I had to learn music all over again because I was learning a new instrument. And then I felt really ahead of the game and I was like, oh, I already know theory. Wow, oh, that's great. That's fantastic. Okay. And in this application, a lot of times when we get another layer of revelation, we will think, oh, I have to start all over. Okay, now it's Dunamite. Now we have to start over again in the Dunamite series. Lord, have mercy, Jesus. How is this? But it's all tied together. Pedigree, scripturally organic, culturally unmodified, pedigree, teachings, and all of the layers that we've had of revelation are building upon each other and not, well, that was that. Boop. Now we're onto something new, like it's a new movie or something. This is a series. If it, if it was a movie, it would be a movie series. I mean, come on, The Avengers have like, what, 15 films or something crazy like that? And so some of them, you really should watch the one before to really get the fullness of what's happening here. And some of them, oh, well, no, you don't have to watch those three films over there to understand what's happening here. But in, in the end, it's a whole universe. It's a whole world. And what we're learning in Christ is His world but sometimes we're highlighting the miraculous sometimes we're highlighting the pedigree other times we're highlighting other strong men okay the strong man coming before the pedigree the dunam I'm sorry after pedigree but the dunam so blend it in your mind this is one world for God one world for him so you don't have to hit the reset button on it Everything that you heard before that because we are adding a new dynamic or what Dr. Price dimension of the kingdom of God. I mean, seriously, I said to her the other day, the issue is we don't hear genuine apostleship. That's the issue. We don't hear genuine prophets, authentic, unadulterated, that like pervasively. I mean, of course, they're out there, but when people hear this kind of word, it's like, whoa, that's so heavy. Wow, that's so deep, and yes, it is, but so much of the kingdom is shallow. That's the real problem is the kingdom is shallow, so when you're used to living in, in the wading pool and somebody pushes you in 12 feet in the end of the other pool, you're choking, you're flapping, oh, 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 I, didn't, I didn't even know, this is so deep, this is so deep, this is so deep, there's no bottom there, well, there's no bottoming, there's no ending, God, but he's just going to keep going. And But because of, you're used to sitting in the wading pool where all the water is warm, because the sun can warm it up, because it's only a foot deep, maybe, right, it's enough when you sit there as an adult with the kids, the water maybe covers your legs, But them, they're in their little soaking wet little diaper thingies and whatnot, and they're just splashing. It's a little splash. You have your splash pad, and then you're shallow into the pool, and and the little ones are in there. You're used to being with the babies in the shallow end of the water. And so then when you get into the, let's say the backyard pools that are round, those are like four feet, five feet deep, oh, if you're tall enough, you can stand up in that, and if not, okay, you know, you still might need a little floaty thing or whatever, so you don't sink to the bottom. And then you go to the Olympic, so they keep getting bigger, and then you can ultimately end up in the ocean, swimming in the ocean, swimming with the dolphins. And the water just progressively can be deeper and deeper and deeper. But if you're only used to the shallow end, uh, shallow end of the neighborhood local swimming pool, then to you everything else is scary. Everything else is deep, and everything else is potentially dangerous. Well, how do you know out there? I mean, that could be a cult. That could be that could lead you down because you've never been in the deep end of the Word of God. But apostles are to take you to the deep end. That's where we live. Prophets, deep end, that's where we live. Talking about, oh, no, and you watch the National Geographic with uh, the ocean, the deep, I mean, deep, 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 deep end of the ocean, where that pressure is so strong, people can't survive down there without gear on. But you have this little fish. Now, this little fish looks like it's about as fragile as an egg, just bobbing around, glowing in the dark because there's no light. Just glowing. So he creates animals that light up. He is the light of the world. I'm telling you what, he can just plug light into anything. You can tell. That must be his favorite thing is to just shine light in the darkness. Boom. <laughs> ah, <laughs> there you go. You have the glow fish and the one just moving around, lighting up underwater and doing all these things. You don't even know there's a whole other ecosystem. There are underwater mountains under the deepest parts of the ocean, mountains, higher under the ocean than the mountains On top of the ocean that's how deep down water goes and when you think about the word being water how deep we can go in Christ before we ever hit the bottom which is never because we're not even capable of surviving the bottom of Jesus I don't even know what that is all right I don't even know what that is at all and so you can go deep and deep and deep and deep in Christ and never hit the floor But we'll say bring your oxygen (laughs) come on we're going Down. And then you have some saints who are so naturally buoyant, and they spirits, just popping up to the top. No, 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 I can't go down. No, 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 that's too deep. You're doing so good. Just come on, just put your nose down and go, no, I have to get to the top. And you have some who can't lose the noodle. You have the teacher right there, I'm not going to let you drown, I'm not going to let you fall, I'm not going to let you go under. I don't trust, it's all right, it's all right, noodle, it's okay. (laughs) It's like, no, I'm not losing my noodle now. I like a noodle or two. (laughs) Dr. Price says the amen hand over here, the noodle hand, all right? And you're like, nope. But in God, sometimes you have to lose that noodle and just go in. And immerse yourself in the deep end of scripture in the deep end of God in the deep end of the revelation and accept that the things that we thought we knew about him we don't know and separating what is doctrine from what is scripture and then finding scripture that hasn't been so altered by doctrine that it's not even saying what he said It's like authenticating documents. I watched this whole series, uh, -series, mini-series, about a gentleman who was a forger. And he forged documents in the Mormon denomination to unseat the stability of the entire church in the 80s. And he did it on purpose. He was raised Mormon and so resented it. That at 14, he decided he was an atheist and lived his whole life as a lie, as a Mormon, and began to develop his forging techniques at 12 years old and began to master lying and deception at 14, at 14 years old. He developed his own lie detector systems. He developed his own aging systems to um, age coins and make them look older. And so when he would send them off for authentication, they would be certified as authentic because they passed all their tests. And you know what he said? He said, well, if they said they were authentic, then they were It didn't matter that they weren't. And in his mind, he had his own standard of righteousness. To the point where years later, as an adult, he ends up killing two people that he knew to cover his crime. To, I'm sorry, to delay him being exposed is what he said. He knew he was ultimately going to get caught and to delay it. But he had been working on it from the time he was a kid. Master, he passed the lie detection test higher than anybody in the history of this guy's FBI career, he said, I have never seen anybody score that high on the lie detector test. And in the end, they give you the fullness of his history and says how he has been working on deception from the time he was a kid. This is why we need these offices being in their office. For people like that who are out there and everything they do passes the truth test because to them, their lie is true. Those are the hardest ones to discern, the people who believe their lie. Oh, well, he passed the lie detection. That's because he believes it's true. She believes it's true. Very interesting things, and which is why we have got to be in the Word. Last week we talked. Was it discernment? Wait. When did we learn discernment? Was that last week? Was that on the road? Was that here in the spirit? Yes, <laughs> flesh. Discernment was recent, all right? Whether it was. think I've heard it a couple of times recently. Anyway, when she talked about skill and discernment together, this is what, huh? Joliet. Okay. It was, Dr. Price was there. That's the common denominator. And I think it came up again in Soul Sunday. All right. All right. And so learning about discernment and what it isn't and what we think it is, but the importance of that faculty, she said, these things are faculties, not just gifts. But there are faculties and resources, well, faculty and not just resources, but a faculty. And knowing that we are in that age, look at where we are in the church. Look at where we are in politics. Look at where we are in media, in health, in everything. Our truth radar has got to be so high and always on that we're testing words all the time. And the palate tastes food. We are testing those words. Is this doctrine true? Is this report true? Is this diagnosis true? Is this uh, other thing true over here? I mean, we have never worked so hard in our lives, in our waking hours of the day, to get through the day. I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but at the end of the day, I'm like, bye. wow, well, because we have lived in that you know, Christian utopia kind of thing, where even like in our own country, we haven't seen war on our ground in how long that we're just, freedom is just a given. We're never going to have to war for what we have. We have lived in this, under this whole freedom thing for so long. When people were telling us they were trying to snatch it from us, we're like, no, no oh, you're a paranoid conspiracy theorist, oh, you know, so-and-so is always the doomsday prophet and and everything else going on, and look at where we are. Look at where we are. We can look back and see things that have been published, posted, folks sounding the alarm, not just from our camp, trying to let people know for years. Guys, they're they're trying to take it from us. They're trying to shut down the church. They're going to strip you of your freedoms and rights. They're gonna tell you who can leave the country and who has to stay. They're gonna do all these things. Now, wait, nobody can leave but just anybody can come in. I mean you see how you see how discernment us not being in our place and believing that oh, well that ends well. By his grace, by his stripes we are we're healed and the love of God as long as we have the love of God we just need to love one another and and we'll be okay I'm okay you're okay everybody's okay hey 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 you know we're just we're, we're good I mean just pray just take it to the Lord in prayer oh I don't just don't worry about that fret not no no God doesn't want you to be stressed he wants you to feel his joy uh he wants you to just relax and just lie in his bosom and just let him comfort you and we're just gonna sing some songs here and lift up our hands and turn off all the lights so nobody can see anybody and and just tune in to God and and let him nurture and nourish you and heal you and Store you and yeah, just soak in his presence and and talk like this until we're blue in the face and and nothing has changed and there's no power in the church and well we really well we'll just meet online because we don't lay hands on people anyway I mean you could tell that for some people meeting online was nothing different you don't touch the people you don't lay hands on the people you don't heal them deliver them set them free no power. What did people see last year in all the churches they were attending? What churches had the power and what churches didn't? Who was preaching a strong word and who was not? Who was preaching a word at all? Who was giving direction, instructions? What's God doing? Where are we going? What's happening? Well, just pray. You know, that's really not for us to get involved in. Our job is to just take care of you here. You know, we're not to involve ourselves in politics, and we're not to involve ourselves in, in what's going on on Capitol Hill. And, well, the Lord will take care of it. I mean, no matter if I saw one more time, no matter who becomes president, I know God is still in control. And where are we today? No matter who gets in the White House I don't know why you guys are just so upset about this You're just worshiping man Because no matter who gets in there God is still in control Uh But guess where we're not In heaven He kicked his problems out And they're here With us For us Whoa to the earth Okay Whoa You know when, when that level of eternity is like Sorry not sorry they had to go somewhere, okay? <laughs> you know, that just, all right? You know, when you're watching the movies and they're calling ahead the telling them that trouble's on the way, you better lock it down because they're about, they're two miles out. You're like, what? And everybody starts arming themselves and, and getting all weapons. See, we're the ones who are like, oh, they're two miles out. Oh, God, God will provide. You know, one security guard with no gun, just a baton at the door. And then have the nerve to say, Where was God when they kicked in the door? And this is where we are now. Well where was God where was God? He was in the mouths of those people that you blackballed in the in the body of Christ. That's where God was. He was actually trying to be in his house to see to say, Where are you? You know, Adam, where are you? Church, where are you? Apostles, where are you? Prophets, where are you? Lord's walking by, huh, huh, what? And, and everybody's calling, huh? You know, parents calling their kids because you come in and the house is tore up or something's wrong. Where are you? Huh? <laughs> you know I'm calling you. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Get in here. He did it. And if you have an only child, I'm sorry. They, they, see, this is why there's joy in at least having two because there's somebody else to blame. And if you have an only child and no dog. You can't blame the dog You can't blame your sibling I mean, there is tremendous benefit To blaming a sibling Because you're like, he did it, she did it They did it And if you have my mother, everybody's getting it So, if nobody's owning up to it Everybody's paying the price Oh, bless the Lord November 17th Through the 20th Here in Tulsa, Oklahoma Our annual apostolic summit You want to be here Be here, be here, be here. Bring your groups. You can go to DrPaulaAPrice.com and get more details about registering for this year's summit. If you are a member of anything that we're tied to, there's some kind of discount, but that discount expires. So don't wait until the week of the event and then say, Apostle Ashley, I only have enough for the discount price, when the discount has expired. So make sure you're checking those end dates on our sale, early bird. Group registrations are up until the door. That rate you can use up until the day of the event. If you can only be here for certain parts of the event, we have day rates as well. Uh, I love how she said also last week that Jesus downgraded himself so he wouldn't destroy the planet while he was here. That's powerful. That's powerful because when we watch these superhuman shows and movies and you see these characters who can't control their power, what are they doing? Blowing holes through mountains, crushing through doors and walls and fire shooting out. They're like, sorry, killing innocent people, doing all kinds of things. And so to have Jesus really have to bring himself down and roll himself down into a lesser form. So that his power doesn't crush what he's doing. I mean, that's, that's really crucial. And it's really brilliant because you have got to understand the, the thoughts and the intent that he had and how they had to plan the whole thing out. Okay, so we're going to make you in the form of a man. Now, you have got to be able to withstand things, okay? So you, the, your biological composition has to be able to walk through walls, walk on water, do all those kind of things. They didn't have bullets back then. All right. But they had swords and spears and everything like that to withstand those things. But when it's time to die, we're going to hit this sin button, which is going to make you totally killable. And, and so the whole thing, so we scale you down to not destroy the planet while you're there. And then we're going to bring you down again so we can kill you. But don't worry. I, I, got, I have a plan. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bring you back last week. She said, when was his body? And see, I am stuck. The intelligence of God, the specificity of Jesus Christ, this is why you just can't be broad-stroking Jesus. I'm just doing broad-stroke prophecy, just broad-stroke apostolic, just broad-stroke, just you don't have the general idea. He comes back from the dead. Put your finger in here and here. But what about everything else that was tore up? So he healed and restored himself looking like a gardener, looking like Jesus. I mean, come on. There is so much, so much that Hollywood has to use hundreds of millions of dollars to manufacture, and it's fake. But you spent $600 million, okay, so you spent $150 million to make this film for all this CG animation and... Special effects. You understand that Jesus is a special effect. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have to have a green screen behind him and a little blue leotard right. on because we have a whole
0: the baby, outfit. The, the little baby figures. The, the little the little, little miniature people. figures yeah. to the, the yes. Cut and paste, and now, cut and paste, and he cut didn't, and paste, and change the clothes and on and
1: on. And, and he didn't have to do all of that to shoot one gospel. Okay, well, you know, okay, we have to line up. He said, I am. I am all of these things. And and you could tell that the marketing strategy to make Jesus so uncool and so antiquated and outdated, we still can't walk on a puddle.
0: No, we can't.
1: Talk about how dated Jesus is. And, and,
0: and when we when we get gang jumped, we can't disappear and walk away.
1: No, we cannot. <laughs> okay. No, we cannot. They
0: jumped on him. He just disappeared. Walked away. Okay, talk about getting out of a fight. And, he, you know, he had to walk away because no, he couldn't hurt the people because he was their savior. Right.
1: And so, so he could not have I can't that Thank on Thank you. The people. We can't have assault with a deadly
0: Jesus a deadly on your
1: creator. Okay. so about boom? Yeah. You're done.
0: I mean, there is uh. so much for us to learn. And, you know, I want to go back to what you said. Uh, recently, just a few minutes ago, about gifts versus office. I woke up this morning. Holy Ghost has been talking to me about gift versus office, and he's been doing that, talking to me about it since maybe the middle of last year. So, what, t- why are we here? You know, and having the wrong people in power. You know, a gift belongs on a shelf, or it's you know a utility, or something like that. But what governs it is important. And we've lost that. And so I have been holding this teaching back for a little bit. I need a pen. Listen. First of all, I I have, like, 95 slides for the original class that I will be teaching for Price University. Okay? I got the the praise hands in the back. You know, um, well, because... As much as I keep thinking, and and my team knows the truth and knows how this is, I have so much that that I have to get recorded. I almost need to be on a nice little retreat. I need at least 30 to 60 days to teach for classroom use all of these subjects that are fundamental to where God is in the future. That's number one. And to who is he's going to use in the future, and how they are to be placed. And I've been looking at this, and <laughs> and so because see the the issue is we don't deal with placement. Come on. We deal with anointing. Oh. We don't deal with attributes. We deal with anointing. <laughs> we don't deal with faculties no. or facility. We deal with anointing. See how quick you catch on. Hey. We don't measure success. We deal with anointing. We don't use words like competency, capabilities, cognizance, capacity. We we use words like anointing. And because we only have one standard, one criteria, one metric, one benchmark, yardstick for Everything people do in Christ, we are a mess. We're a mess. And we're a mess because all we want to deal with is anointing and charismata. So anointed gift. And so the gifts are running the office. It's like going to work and having the entire company, um, company's workforce do nothing but sin at the same time. All day. All day. Or they all just copy paper. Or they all just answer the phone. But there is no variation. There's no variation between the newcomer, the the new entrant, and the top executives. Everybody is measured by and charismatic. so when you ask, how did we get here, why are we here, and all of that, you have to recognize that when you launch anything from rebellion, because this was a, this was a rebellious break with denominationalism. It was a rebellious break from institutionalism, order, and, and everything that God had in place for the, for the goal of giving people individual liberty. Because in the, in the world it's right, but in the church is liberty. So everybody's individual liberty as they saw it, as they felt it, so we then, we, we, we literally individuated what was once institutionalized. And individuated is a word, go look it up. I have to say that to the saints. So, so we individuated everything Christ, everything. Everything was brought down to me, myself, my, and mine. Nothing else mattered. And so as we, we, now that was fine, because I think it needed to happen. It needed to happen because great people were getting lost in dry, staged, stodgy institutions. So I know that, you know, what Satan meant for evil, God used for good. It's really interesting, though, that after that heyday, we're now recycling, going back to institution to prove that, the free for all didn't really work. And that individuating everything Christ and kingdom will deteriorate it, if not just completely disintegrate it. Because division, a house divided cannot stand. Hear me, because this is important. A house divided cannot stand. That means that if five people are living in the house and we've got five different ways of living, that house is on Doom Street. Because there will be constant fighting and contending. There will be competitiveness. There will be conflict over and over and over again. Rivalry will be the order of the day. Does that sound like the church? Yeah. Today. Because see Satan is not divided. Right. That's right. We can talk all of that stuff about we better than devils, blah, 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 but yet but yet. Here we are. Satan is not divided. Jesus himself said, if Satan casts out Satan, how will his kingdom stand? Now, this is the maker. This is the creator, the author and finisher of our faith, of our existence. If Satan casts out Satan, how will his kingdom? He will not divide his house because, and I want to say this, and I'm going to keep saying it because if we're on the theme of, <coughs> excuse me, why is this serpents? harmless as dove, if that's the same thing that we're on, then we need to be very clear on what God means. So Satan was not born on earth. I'm probably going to say that 100 times, maybe 500 times before I leave this planet because we need to get clear on our misconception and misperception of his origins Yes, mm-hmm. Amen. because you cannot go to the root and not meet origin. You can't lay the ax to the root and not uncover origins. The root system tells you everything about what you're living, what you're experiencing, what you're eating, the root system. So when, when John the Baptist said lay the ax to the root, that's a main objective for a prophet. Amen. To root out, to identify root, because we always have to be in the originics of things. We cannot just be in the fruit. See, the charismatic is about the fruit. What you see is what you get. That's the WYSIWYG. It's about the fruit. It's not even about use as much as it's about expression. We've got to show our gift. We've got to express. We've got to publish what's in us, publish our endowment. And so here we are today, and I'm going to make a case that I think will but also kind of topple a little bit this gift, my ministry gifting. When I first got in God, I I worked for the Bell System. I was a major account executive. I had large accounts all throughout the country, and my job was to increase revenue, obviously to place my product in their businesses, and then, to maintain the account so that the revenue it generated would increase, but it would also lead to more products in order to do this i was we were put into a fifteen day eight i want to say eight to seven eight to eight training program six days a week fifteen and you had to be there at eight o'clock in the morning. And if, they said you, if you, they said you were going to get off at 8, don't count on it. And then after that, you had anywhere from three to four hours homework because they needed to get this thing up and running quickly. So it was, that's what it was. That's what I did. And now and I did it with all kinds of people. I was probably one of the most unlikely candidates, but how many of you know God doesn't care about the likely or like, unlikeliness in a call? But I had the, I had the capacity, I had the attributes. Why? They had a very stringent screening system, assessment system, and it was no joke. And, um, and I will tell you, the Lord blessed me. I did extraordinarily well, proving to be proving to be a likely asset. See, we don't assess anything except the: anointed, anointed. That's it. We don't really assess. We sit down and talk about potential leaders by how they affect the people, not how they achieve God's goal. Yes. God rarely enters into a lot of these positions that you see today, and it's about the people. Well, you know, there's the people. So we have a lot of saul King Saul leaders. Saul was gifted. He was appealing. He was talented. And he was a businessman. Businessman has lost some of the family's inventory, but he was a businessman. So we don't think like the kingdom. We think like a clan. We're very tribal. And and remember, we had that whole season of being tribal. I mean, Seven Mountains is tribal. Spheres of Domain is national. So we can't do the national thing because we're being Tribal. Because we're the ones that told people the Bible is stuck in time by the terms we use, by our inability to update language to God's achievement. For example, when Israel was in the wilderness, (coughs) they were tribal. When they took over Jericho, (coughs) they became a nation state. Very different. And the rules for both are different. When Moses was being trained by Egypt... It was a nation. He had nationhood training. He had kingdom training. He had dominion training. Then God ran him to Midian so he could learn how to handle tribes. Because even in Egypt, the slaves were kept in a tribal consciousness, a tribal mentality. Now, tribe is very sequestered, very secluded, very... um, Ethnic defined. Nations have all people. So when, when, when people started talking seven mountains, if you look at my writings, I don't use the phrase at all except to explain what I use, and I use spheres of domain because dominion is what nations acquire. A tribe can be taken out like that. Nation a little harder. Look at how they're pushing against us because we're a nation. And so, when you start thinking about that, then the mindset of the tribe, the clan, and the tribal leader versus the national leader very different. Because in the wilderness, you're you know as nomads, you have to find water and find food and find ways to store it and all of that, and then you know obviously distribute it to your populace. When you are in a nation-state, you've got aqueducts, you've got silos, you've got a whole different structure and infrastructure for taking care of the citizens. See, because in the tribe, we're all relatives. See, the clan, we relatives. We're all from the same ancestor. But in the nation, We can have, that population can be mixed with a lot of different things. And I'm saying this so that you'll understand why gift versus office is important and why our lack of that distinction brought the church to where it is today. Young people can pop in, people, leaders are falling like crazy, and they can't answer the issue. They can't answer the issue because they were literally occupying the station of a nation behaving as a tribe and a clan. So they went primitive Went back to the primitive Foundations of civilization And so and I'm saying this because I need us to think Differently and if we don't begin to Think differently we can't resolve this So when, and I, I just gave you that as a little bit of a, As a little bit of a um, What do you call it Introduction in the way of a little bit of an Introduction So this is the class one of the two classes we have Welcome to spiritual gifts versus ministry offices training For the free gifts and calling of God are unregrettable We recognize that as the gifts and calling of, the gifts and calling of God are what? Without repentance, irrevocable, unregrettable So that's, but if you notice, gifts is plural Calling, singular You have one calling in life. Now, you may go through the process of developing your gifts sequentially for that calling. You know, you get education, you go to training, you do that, but we only have one calling according to this passage. Now, we might say I'm called to do a lot of things. No, no, you may have a lot of assignments. You may have assigned tasks, but you have one calling. So if you're called to be a prophet, you were a prophet when you were a seed. Amen. Amen. If you're called to be a singer, you were a singer when you were a seed. That is what Jeremiah 1 that we love to say. He said, before I formed you in the womb, God sanctified seeds, not being people yet. He sanctified seed. He sanctified sperm. And he sanctified Ed. Not any woman could have produced what that particular person. Think about Sarah and Hagar. Hagar could get pregnant and produce a kid, but only Sarah could produce a promise. That's right. That's right. That seed was totally impacted, embedded with the word of God, the promises of God. And by the way, you don't want to miss us Sunday. I am taking our dunamite training to a whole other level. And I mean you are going to be (laughs) Oh
1: y'all was
0: Well every time I look behind me you all were there, so I just thought y'all were keeping up. So you don't want to miss that because the whole God is biologic bio, uh, and God is biotic and biologic is going to be wrapped up in a wonderful package. You don't want to miss it, whether you're here or not. But anyway, getting back to it. So God ordains seeds. Psalm 139 through 18 talks about our individual books, that God wrote a book on every one of our existences. Mm-hmm. That's already a case against abortion. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you're not just getting rid, of, getting rid of a blob. You're not just getting rid of a problem. You are literally cutting out generations. A whole genealogy is being wiped out. A whole lineage is being wiped out. You're wiping out more than your problem. And that problem could be one of your future solutions when you get old.
1: Because
0: I'm going to tell you right now, I love my daughters. I, I really do. And i tell you, that baby one, man, I just could, mm. But what if I had that mindset? Where would my organization be? You know, she wouldn't have met you and brought you to me. See how it worked out and the rest of you. So you, your abortion may abort your problem in the moment, but it aborts an entire lineage an entire generation and aborts an entire that being with that based on the seed within the seed within the seed principle so you're aborting lines and lines and lines of generation which is why God has such a problem with it if it was just you just a being then we'd be no more than lancing a boil but it isn't it isn't and so God, Psalm 139, said God wrote a book for every being. And he had a, a library that is, that is a planet itself. And it said that, why don't we read that? Y'all want to read that? Yeah, you want to read it? Because I'm, I'm, I'm talking about it. So I might as well read it. That's how that works. Let me tell you, Psalm 139, because we, we say it, and, um, but we really have to understand the technology of our theology. See, and a lot of Christians, a lot of Christian women are getting abortion and having abortions. A lot of you, some of you are right now listening to me, waiting for your chance to drop your blob, which is not a blob. And so you're not only destroying a human generation, you're destroying the new creation, and all of those creatures to be born again in Jesus Christ. And if you feel bad, you'll be all right. We all get over it. But you have to know what you did. Paul said, I killed Christians. Once he came to God, he stopped killing them.
1: Wow. How about
0: it? So we like this. We're starting. I mean, I love the way he wrote this. You know, um, I want to start at 13. For thou... Thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul, your soul, knows right well. Now, the word for reins there is kidneys or kidney regions, the loins. They're considered as the source of emotions, feelings, and affections. Just for you to understand, when the Scripture uses "rains," you can substitute that word with "kidneys." And and, the, and and for the inorganic definition, it is emotions, feelings, and affections. You know that's why you'll have kidney problems if you have emotional issues, because your kidneys won't they won't flush. Anger, all of those kinds of things. Moving on, what we did say, soul Sunday. All right.
1: <laughs> and
0: ironically and, and the reason being the kidneys tied to the heart. Right. Uh, yes. That's why you cannot have a proper apostolic prophetic education and not have anatomy. Yeah. Because we need to know with the ancients. <clears throat> what did Paul feel about the the human body when he gave us First Corinthians twelve? What was his anatomical education? All right, verse 15. My substance. <clears throat> Is this good to know? Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but he says here, my substance. I love that. My substance was not hid from you. Now, I, I, when I do Bible, and yesterday I had an opportunity to do a little piece of Bible study with Prophet Norma. You know, she's my attendant. So we hung out. We broke down Sunday's message. Paula said, "She the <laughs> um, yeah. and I mean, we went in it, you know. And um, but I, I want to read this because it's important for you to see it. And for, from the fifteenth says to me, says here my substance, which is here under the definitions. I just want you to know. Mm-hmm. Listen, it's uh, a awesome, I had some OT, oh yeah, OT, O-T-S-E-M, and for those of you who want to research, H, uh, H-6108 and Strong, but it says my power, my bones, my might. Isn't that something? Uh, you know, and my joints and ligaments. In other words, everything, bones meaning skeleton, the skeleton. So it says all of the, everything that was going to make me a being, God already knew. And he said it was not hid from him. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Now, here's something that's so powerful. You know, every now and then I like to take you all up on the trapeze so you can do the tight walk. Y'all ready (laughs) to (laughs) go? He's saying something very interesting. He said, my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, which we consider to be the womb. Is that right? And curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. When was he wrought in the lowest parts of the earth? When he was no, when Adam was formed by God from the dust of the earth. Oh. See, we, we think of Adam just being a wonderful
1: corpse.
0: Oh, <laughs> that, that <just> <laughs> okay, <clears throat> so... He's saying, when I was wrong, coming from Adam, when God created Adam in the dust of the earth, he he, he created him spirit and soul, but he formed his body, then all of the earth's material were used to make him a living soul. That means heart. That means lungs. That means kidneys, liver. That means Urinary tract, that means reproductive tract, and that means every sperm came from the dust of the
1: earth.
0: Now, we take it for granted because we read things and we just, you know, we go on. But that's not how God operates. And he said, my, you know, thine eyes did see my substance being yet imperfect. Now, imperfect meaning that a mass. Here's the thing. Sextant's here, H1564, talks about being the wrapping, the unformed mass. So before God sculpted it into a being from dirt and dust, I'm just so, I'm, 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 we don't even know what fluids he used. How did you turn that dust to skin? I need to, I want to understand that. Okay? If they do, baby, they're going to be gazillionaires. Okay? So it's saying, but it says here, being yet unperfect, un- un- but also it says embryonic. God saw us as an embryo. And then he saw us as a zygote. Then he saw us as eggs. Then he saw us as sperm. But God did all of that. Now, If if the man didn't do enough, (laughs) I like the, you know, but as if he did, but he also made Eve in Adam. In that same corpse, he made that woman in Adam so that whatever rib he took, that was her basic material. Bones. Skeleton. I was wondering. You was a little slow. <laughs> now and look at this. So he said, Thine eyes did see my substance yet being imperfect, and in thy book all were written in continuous were fashioned when as yet none of them existence. In other words, the days of our lives are in that book. So when you go and decide you're going to abort your kid, I just want you to understand the book says, "Aborted by my mother, or worse, murdered by my mother." Yeah. That's that book. For because if, if, if God didn't know it, then He's not God. Right. He has to have written it. He has to have accounted for it. Wow. That's the book. And when you go and at the end of your life, if you don't repent and ask God's forgiveness and become part of the solution. So you can't just repent, say, I'm sorry. You must then take up the charge of the solution. Oh
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you. We all did. Everybody had to understand it. So we all, you have to grow. So now there are just a couple of ones. I like to do this because it's important. Psalm 139 says under the Tree of Life version, It says, for you have created my conscience. You knit me together in my mother's womb. We go down to 15. My frame, that's the skeleton, was not hidden from you. How important is the skeleton? So it's telling you God started with the skeleton. Was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was unformed. And in your book were written the days that were formed when not one of them had come to be. I don't know about you, but this is powerful. And I like to read these because I know that we don't read enough word, and we need to understand what they're saying. One translation, somebody gets a, a, a revelation. So, so in the, uh, the Passion Translation of the Bible, you formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside and wove them all together in my mother's womb, my God. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. You who, so, you who created me to be before I became me, before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. So at that point, Whatever point of that abortion, whatever point of that um, partial abortion, that head out, feet out, all of that is in a book. And it's a book. It's on your page, and it's on the page of the being that you destroyed. Well, and you're going to say, well, I just don't believe in the Bible. I'm sorry. I just don't believe in the Bible. You don't have to believe in the Bible. Science is telling you that's how it works. you don't you don't have to listen, God does not need a Bible to be God. He was God beforehand, and abortions and all of that go all the way back to Enoch, and probably before they they had classes, devils taught classes on how to tear babies from the womb. They all did. You can look in the early Egyptian days. Your science book, your, your science teachers will tell you. They show you the pictures, the little crude things, or yanking the kid out the bellies and yanking the kid. See, is that true or not? So you don't have to read the Bible. Just read your own history. That's what I had to learn. So I just wanted to have you listen to some of these translations because, um, the, for example, God's word says my bones were not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, when I was being skillfully woven in an underground workshop.
1: Underground. Underground.
0: Your eyes saw me when I was only a fetus. Every day of my life was recorded in your book before one of them had taken place. I, I like to hear that. I like to read these because it's all the same. And, 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 but I like this here. The days scheduled for my formation were inscribed, even though not one of them had come yet. So when God made Adam, everybody was made. And when he did, as a master craftsman, as a high scientist or creator, when he did, anybody hearing me, when he did, he loved it. He logged it and accounted for everything that can happen to bring a being into existence. That's another class because I got more to say on that, but I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying what I'm not saying. So when God gave you your destiny, he gave it to a seed. And the day that Adam was formed, in the earth, and God breathed in him to make him a living soul, breathe air into his lungs. See, we we don't really get the magnitude of that, but the magnitude of it is that we have a corpse, good-looking corpse. It's got all these parts made of this perfect earth. Because today, they can't make that. No. No. No, they cannot make that. So, We've got this, when God breathed in him, he didn't just get air, he got blood. Which is why it it took the blood of the maker to redeem man's soul. The very blood that gave humanity life came from God, came from the Lord Jesus Christ. In order for humans to be redeemed, they have to be bought with the same thing that gave them value. In kind blood. You didn't hit the bell. Okay, I'll hit it for you.
1: She usually hits
0: the bell. Hit that Liberty Bell. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you were really excited, weren't you? But I want you to understand. See, Adam's blood came from God's breath. Are we all right? Uh, That's why he said he's made from one blood Everything In heaven's world One blood Redemption requires us to cease being different blood types To become the one blood Of the man who shed his blood for us That's the power of blood That's, You understand now what the whole blood sacrifice and stuff is all about If you're not intelligent, how are you going to retain this man's kingdom or recover it? So God breathes into Adam the blood of the Almighty. Now, understand understand. he's not getting the blood from the earth, but he is commanding it to be sustained by the earth. That means everything that's in the dirt was in that blood that he breathed in Adam. Okay. I'm going on, because <laughs> y'all going to fall out on the floor here. How y'all doing? Social media? Hey! <laughs> Again? I didn't even get started. How they flatlining? Okay. So how does this pertain to bring it all back to ministry, to spiritual gifts? It brings it back to the fact that that calling was also breathed into Adam. Every sperm, every egg was assigned a calling. If it was assigned a calling, then it was also equipped with attributes, gifts, talents, endowments, etc. That is why it is important to God that we place people properly. Despite the distortions of Satan's takeover, of the human genome Mm. so we didn't care because if you judge according to observation then you don't care how that thing came to your site if you are one who deals in the archetypes and the prototypes of anything you are very concerned with origins origins I said to you before, John the Baptist, the prophet who foreran Jesus, had to dig in the root. Prophets had, A real prophet has an uncanny ability to, to bore into the root system of whatever it is they're dealing with. That is why, and when you read the prophetic writings, you see that. God said to um, Israel, when he brought him out, he said, "I know the inclination of your heart." He said, y'all been stiff-necked since I brought you out. Who do you say that through? Not the priest, the prophet. So when we look at office, and, you know, the graphic is just to give you an idea. This is a prophetic agency since God starts everything with prophets. Prophets should have a station. You know, according to the ancient writings, prophets that did not have a station but were roaming back and forth, were called charismatic prophets. It's interesting. That, it's interesting that yet here we are now. Charismatic prophets, no station, no attachment, no screening, nothing, just wandering from place to place. And they had, the established order had a problem with it because they used to, when Paul talks about sneaking in houses to deceive silly women, they actually ingratiated themselves with people who did not understand or who were outside of the system and they had these people taking care of them, paying their, sleeping in their homes, buying their foods, telling them it's their duty to God, diverting the funds from the kingdom. And the people, not knowing any different, they define the prophetic the way we define it today, which is strictly prophesying, predictive prophesying. That is the only definition you really find consistent with the prophetic. When you want a a prophet, a prophet speaks the word of God, and God only speaks predictively. He doesn't speak judicially. He doesn't speak academically, scholastically. He doesn't speak revelationally. He doesn't speak anything but prediction. So why? So that prophets are not considered to be as brilliant as they are. That seed of a prophet that, that God calls when it's time is a seed of utter brilliance. And you see that brilliance when they're little kids, when they're little types they start having these blurt outs that you're like, how do you know that? And then it gets, I don't know. I am so looking forward to my own little prophet daycare. I just want to watch them. Cute as they can be. And where, where we nurture them for God, before the occult gets to them, before the Avengers impresses them, before DC Comics defines them. That's what I'm looking for. So when you think about it, and we look at this, God starts everything with a prophet, and it wasn't predictive. It wasn't even prophesying. Abel didn't prophesy anything. God thought we should keep, probably because he knew the flood was coming. <laughs> probably God was like, what's the point? You know, I'm going to drown this. <laughs> man. Like, What's the point? It won't be around. So when you look at this, And and this is part of the prophetic training class I have. You know, um, my dictionary covers a lot of this, but I want you to see the ministry gift versus ministry office controversy in this office thing because are in people. Officers are in institutions. And people hire your gift or engage your gift for official service, official means representing the one that engages you. Understanding a minister-servant's differences. Office, sender, sent one. The officer has a sender, and the one sent becomes a sent one. This is a representative, agent, spokesperson, ambassador, or emissary, and they don't speak their own words. Jesus said in John's gospel that those who are sent by God speak God's word. So you know these prophets aren't sent by God. Because you don't hear anything, God, Jesus, nothing. You don't hear it. They can't teach you, God. They can't help you understand, God. They cannot give you tips on how to recognize God, how to discern God, how to detect his adversaries and his opposition. You don't hear that. What you hear is what? Predictive prophecy. That's it. No way to tell you how it's going to happen. Part of the teaching that we've been doing is there's a, the, there's a technology to our theology. There, is, there has to be. God said in Genesis, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. So God made man. Male and female made he them. Okay? Now think about it. That's in, that, that, that was our unseen being. We weren't made on earth. We were made in God, in God. But who? how in the world would the earth know we exist? Unless there was a technology, Greek word technique or tecton. There was a technology that brought us out of God's being, better yet extended us from God's being and set us in class. So this master craftsman creates this clay. We're walking around in God, and, we, you know, we had our first Sabbath. It's wonderful, you know. Now we're getting ready to leave heaven, leave the God realm, so to speak, and really not leave because, again, we were extended until Adam severed us. So because, remember, we were in the image and likeness of God. So we're getting ready to leave. And how does God ship us to earth? Breathing. That's it. And if you ever had God breathe on you You know that's powerful But honey when he breathes inside you you would be like <laughs> Powerful How does the Holy Ghost get here? He's the breath of God On spirits which have been sealed In the vault of heaven Shipped here on Pentecost In the Holy Spirit So when we think about it when you are talking about an officer, you have a representative, which is going to be the person who presents the sender to you. You have an agent is the person who is going to – now, here's an agent, is very different, who is going to um, stand in for the person who sent you. Spokesperson is going to be the messenger, that's the voice. Ambassador is going to be diplomacy, that's reconciliation. And then embassy is a kind of form of ambassador, but they're usually sent with a particular thing in mind. So none of these prophets are in the office. Now, and I say none of them, I mean none of those that are relying strictly on prediction. Because God's got some powerful ones out there. And we're getting ready to, to meet them because he's calling us together for his purposes. But you will recognize it. When you, when you get there, all they can do is sit there and look at you and prophesy. And they sit there and they talk in tongues and prophesy. And they sit there and look around and they look at a tree get another prophecy. That's all Okay, I got another prophecy Look at some salt and pepper, there's a prophecy Okay But prophets Get projects So we don't just prophesy Our prophecy, actually The prophecy that God gives us Is the the skin version Of the project that we're going to have to Build God shows you how he does things First the unseen then the scene First the eternal Then the temporal First the heavenly And then the earthly Prophets get projects They don't just raise money For their ministry They don't just travel around And do the, the TV circuit She said bang something Somebody asked some bang something Thank you God. Okay You know it's something When the people be saying Could you hit something hit this, Just hit something now, I want you to hear me because I can prove that every prophet in this scripture had a project attached to the prophecy.
1: Come
0: on. As a matter of fact, those without prophecy had projects and ventures that they had to do for God to bring what was, had come up on his time of embodiment, his time of incarnation into physical form. When you see form, that's physicality. So every prophet did. But you had to have a particular rank, a particular uh, status, and resources from God. You had to have the faculty and the facility. You had to have the capability, confidence, and all of those kinds of things. We don't talk about You don't need that to predict tomorrow. All you need is to be a good communicator. And have, a lot of them don't get back. Sere babasha. So here we are, we're back at this office, and we're going to the next one. An office is, first of all, something done for God. Now, that was the prototypical primitive, the most primitive definition of an office because in the period when things were being created, when, when life was taking shape, Everything was about the, the, the spiritual being and the spiritual world. Because the spiritual world was founded, or earth was founded by spiritual beings. God founded Israel. Invisible God, Israel. Is that right? Okay. And when you think about it, there are other passages that say, so the first thing an office does, for, especially for the sake of our definition, although now we see it's everywhere. I'm on big tech, got gods. Got deity. Education said that they are going to make the public school system, their temple, and the students, it's worshipers. Okay. So it still means the same thing. Sure so you're being used by a spirit or, or you're being used by some sort of deity. So the first thing an office is and was is something done for God, not just something said. Okay. Okay. Something done for God. The second thing is that it's a position of trust meaning the God's resources and the God's suprem- supremacies and super- superlativeness is trusted to you for a particular venture. Usually the first thing that deities trust and put in place are sovereigns. They have to be sovereigns. That's the first thing because the God is invisible, but the land belongs to the God and who all of the other spirits that are tied to it there. So somebody has to manage it. Someone has to take what the God desires, set up his government, blah, 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 and they have to manage it, regulate it for the God of the land so that the God of the land will continue to bless. What did God said? I'll give you rain in this season. I'm going to give you this. If you look at everything, there is no way that we don't know how the spirit world works except that we refuse to learn or refuse to read. It's impossible. And nations are begotten by deities. Yes. That's, what, that's the whole purpose of the garden. Yes. All right? The whole purpose of the garden was Satan would begin to steal, because he's a thief. That's what he's doing now. He's still a thief. He can't help but be a thief. So he steals God's reproductive manufacturing entity mm-hmm. so that he can reproduce himself and thus, Take over how the world is developed Lastly Number three An office is a suite of duties And responsibilities Undertaken by a substitute I don't know about you But that's worth leaning back on Would you think Do you all understand what I just said It is a suite of duties And responsibilities Undertaken by a substitute Huh And yet all we have is the anointing, charismata, charismata, and predictive prophecy. Anointing, charismata, and predictive prophecy. No wonder we don't know. And when you talk to these people, they are so trained and hardwired to think that voicing something and tagging God's name on it, or co-signing God's character to it makes him a prophet, but that is not what happens and in in my earlier teachings, when I was doing third, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, what was it? Um, and I talked about um what is it what was it that I did on prophetic Ed. head
1: prophetic
0: Ed. Huh? Uh, okay. so if we can well huh. Prophetic Ed was Thursday. So if we can find some of those old ones, maybe we can put them up online and you all can purchase them because it gives you all of the information. It tells you the difference between uh, an institutional prophet and a charismatic prophet. And if you talk, uh, today everything is about charisma. Everything is about your gifting. This is my gifting. I have the gift of prophecy. If you have a gift of prophecy, that, does not, that means that God is not putting you in the office because in the office, everything absorbs the gift. The office is defined by the institution. It is not defined by the individual. You go and change your, change your job description too much, you're probably not going to be in that company for a long time. <laughs> Now, the next thing you need to know, offices use agents. An agent's principle is one who acts through another. So God is the principal one. And it's interesting that he said wisdom is the principal thing. Did he say that in Bible? Wisdom is the principle. Now, I want you to follow how the Bible ch- checks and balances itself no matter how much they try to corrode it. All right? So wisdom is the principal thing. But Luke 11.49 says wisdom calls apostles and prophets. So wisdom is the principle, not the foolish nonsense we have going on. Wisdom is the prophet's principle. Now look up principle and don't get caught up in the principle of the school. Look up principle. Because, see, you know, saints be like, I, I know what a principal is. It's, I, I know what that is. I had to look that up. Yes, you do. You need to understand that that term outside of academic circles is what. The, okay? The same thing with faculty. Look up faculty and don't get caught up in the university staff. Offices use agents. Now, what is it? I was an insurance agent. I worked for the Prudential years ago and I also was studying real estate to be a real estate agent. So when you think about an agent, the thing that you have to remember is that the agent is given specified powers to behave and to act in remote places as the principal would if they were there. So I'll never forget, you know, I wrote my first policy. I was all excited, and I came back and said, can I do that? They said, but that's why we hired you. I said, oh, Oh. So, and then when I worked for the Bell system as a major account executive, the same thing. The institution is very fussy about who they put in power, who they make agents and who they make officers because they have put their word and their authority in that being, in that vessel. So if that vessel is criminal, is deceptive, is immature, is reckless, that company will suffer the consequences. So when the agent goes off, people sue the company. We don't remember Joe Bean Bud that did that, do we? Joe Bean Bud is your problem. You should have checked him out. You should have checked him out. And so – Do you all hear hear what I'm saying? I know that this is not the typical, but this is gift versus office. I'm giving you information to let you know why we're wrong. So these prophets are standing in these offices just predicting the future and attempting to exercise or exert the authority of the eternal office of Jesus Christ. And the prophet is an eternal office. You can see that in Re- Revelation 19, because the angel, that prophesied. See, even when we got the law, they said the law was given by angels. Right. See, angels are running this thing. Judges 2 said that the, when, when Israel had no king, the angels took over its leadership. Yeah. So that tells me then that this is not an earthly thing that we think it is. This is not Play-Doh and silly putty. Sometimes it looks like silly putty. Sometimes it sounds so silly if you think it's putty. <laughs> See, did you ever think about it? Because if you look at all of the times that God started with the angels, because if they have a calling, and their calling precedes our calling. And the angels bring our, God's callings into the earth realm. When they do, then they attach to that person that God has sent them to support and cohort or collaborate with. That's how it works. So now the angels are not going to help you with a calling that's not on your book. Because, first of all, they're they're not stupid. They're like, that's wasteful. You know, I'm not going to back a singer who can't sing, a dancer who can't dance. I don't care how how inspired they feel, how passionate they feel, how convinced they are that they're called that. The angel's like, no, 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 because angels are assigned the territories in the realm. We just saw that. Something done for God. So the angels are not, I don't care how much they take. Like we do the stupidest angelic teaching I've ever seen. Isn't it dumb? We're like, uh, this is dumb. This is angelic. Come on, somebody, help me. So I don't, isn't it the stupidest? It's dumb. It's really dumb. And I say that because we don't realize how stupid it is. Because we think that, an, that the angels are going to be on our side because we, um, Hebrew says that they've been sent forth to minister to those who be heirs of salvation. They were sent forth. We, we so caught up on the minister to the heirs of salvation, we have overlooked the sent forth. They have a sender and they are going to obey their sender. And when God says it's a wrap, it's a wrap. Angels, those angels have already decided they do not want to be on Satan's team, they're not part of his regime, they are there to counteract and counterbalance what he's done and is doing and will do. So the angels are not going to, they're they're working hard for us so that they don't have to leave us to The mess we're creating Mm -hmm. but don't get it in your mind that they're going to say you know like you know you know you watch all of these stupid movies angels have fallen in love with humans that was long 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 time ago these angels are like not the ones that's working for Jesus because they already know how dirty that human is (laughs) Uh Uh they already know how sleazy it is when you watch these movies they're not and they already know that death is death and sin is exceedingly simple but that death is a real thing to us death is a concept To them, it's a reality that they've already lost their countrymen to. That's why they can talk about the first death and the second death. So when you look at it, now, I think I lost my way a little bit, so let me go back so you all can at least hear what I'm saying. Let's see if I'm there. I like doing all of this stuff, but then when I'm out here trying to get it done, okay, good. We did the offices, something for the God. We've got that covered. I want you to get these last pieces so that we understand. Okay, we talked about the principle. We got that. Officers use agents. So long as the agent has done what he or she was instructed to do, the result is the same as if the principal had done it directly. So when they prophesy something God didn't say, or they start decreeing and declaring, don't get all caught up with whether or not it happens because devils have to keep their reputation too. They are seeking credibility. But Jesus said, he who is sent by God speaks the words of God. Revelation says, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy not the testimony of tattoos and piercings, not the testimony of nudity and immodesty, not the testimony of fertility and sexuality. None of that is Jesus Christ, except if it is banned by the message. So the state of the church today, that is not Jesus Christ. That is not. Now, granted, we might, you know, you know they have uh, goodwill devils. You know, there are devils who got to pretend in goodwill
1: uh-huh.
0: and good deed devils. They do. They have to have them. How else are you going to seduce people? You got to have every kind in order to seduce. So you have the ones who go in and they seduce them, you know. And, and then once, you're, once the seduction happens, you're passed on. You're passed on to the destructor. And that's how it goes. Well, why? Because remember, Lucifer was not born on earth. He was never born. He asks if he has a birthday. He has no birthday. October 31st is not his birthday. Oh, yeah. Come on. He has no birthday because he was never born. Wow. Is it all right to say? Because you've got Christians celebrating Halloween like it's his birthday. Mm-hmm. He was never born. He's a created being. He was created for a purpose, and he was created asexual. See, we have to have these discussions with the saints now
1: yes.
0: because the saints are caught up in trying to find an alternative to the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So he was born. He was created in heaven. He was not born. He came to earth. When, we, when he comes to earth, the first time he's part of his ruler, his regulator, his, his builder and constructor, made a mess, read Isaiah 14, so God took the planet from him. He first started out in God's world on the Mount of God, in the Garden of God, messed up there, ends up being demoted to earth, messed up there, ends up destroying the earth, and we meet him in the swamp, in the mess he's made. But everything he learned about world building, nation building, nation killing, he learned in God's realm first. He has an educational system that destroys generations, which is why he has a military that's transgender, pushing transgender in it. Why? Because he was a cherub; he was not given a wife. That was the first thing he was hot about with Adam. You get one of them. I don't have one of them. Where'd you get that from? Why did he give you? And he waited just long enough to see why Adam had a feminine version of himself. Because he knows God operates on the seed-egg principle. Wow. Did you have a question? Comment? Oh, that's your comment. <laughs> that's all you got. So you have to recognize that we're walking around with the greatest the greatest uh, blasphemous propaganda ever. And he's not – listen, he isn't lying, as we would think, choosing not to tell the truth. He's lying because he cannot tell truth. He, truth has been locked out of him. Like, he's been locked out of the truth. So truth is now a tool, an instrument, an implement, or a weapon. But there is – he has no – Volition to do right, but opts out of righteousness. He doesn't opt out. He opted out, and that opt out reconstructed, reconfigured him, and everything that follows him to what he created. That's what Jesus is telling us in John eight you are of your father, the devil. I would imagine that's the first time folks really realize, wow, the devil has children. His plan worked. Jesus told us about the wheat and the tares. He told us about the sons of wickedness. He told us Satan has offspring. He has progeny. He told, tells us, and yet, you know what we said, Yeah, but God will save him." God, Well, let me tell you about God saving the progeny. I just want you to understand that God will save what God will save. But if those children were created by Satan, they were not in Christ before the foundation of the world. I thought that would be a nice thing to share. Because God, Jesus came to the planet with us in him. Who were in Christ before the foundation of the world? Should you pray for him? You should pray for him because you don't know who's who. It's not your job to know who's who. Nobody's giving you an X-ray machine to look in there and see devil kid.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, then that oh, I said, devil demon. Okay, so isn't it sad? But it's funny. So you need to recognize that he has seed, he has progeny, and he has people who are passing on generation to generation to generation. Now, as they can, as God can save anything. But remember, J- Judas was with Jesus. He went to the meetings. They, they had dinner. He, when God was anointing, they, he, Judas was right there in line for the anointing, wasn't he? Now, we, he started out saying he had a child of perdition. Jesus knew where Satan's seed was. So he said Judas was with him. Judas, he sent out the 12. He didn't say, Judas, you stay behind. He said, go cast out some devils. Judas went out there, cast out his relatives. (laughs) I mean, he had to keep up the facade, right? (laughs) Okay? Hey, when I leave, you can go. Okay. But so he, Judas, but nothing Judas experienced, which was pretty much Everything that the remaining 11 had, except for the times that Jesus has chosen three, were pulled aside. Otherwise, Judas had everything. He felt Jesus' power. He felt, he felt his word. He watched him when he healed. He did all of that. As a matter of fact, it, it, it's amazing how even with all of that, Judas could not change his heart. He could not resist the temptation. To sell Jesus out He couldn't Now you can tell that human flesh Got him in the end Because of the impenitence before he killed himself So Judas Could not Even though he had everything Jesus laid hands on him and everything It didn't matter why Because he was a child of perdition Nothing in him could receive of the almighty That was settled long before God said Let there be Are you all right? She said we got to think about it. Well, I will be done in a minute anyhow. Y'all drowning. (laughs) The prophetic is a divine communications department with an agency, duties, and responsibilities. It didn't say gifting. Because before, understand the institution must precede the person, the agent or represent. So the institution must come first, which means by the time God created us, he already had systems in place. He already had, because those angels were running it. They were running it in an individual realm, but in their job was to teach us as through by the Holy Ghost, teaches through them how to take the dirt, the clay, and all of the ecology and all of the natural resources, resources and turn them into a replication of God's world. We see that in Nimrod. So, I know. Now, when you think of it, an agent is, an, is authorized to act on behalf of another called the principal I want to say that again an agent is authorized to act on behalf of another called the principal to create a legal relationship with a third party we earth is that third party the church is that third party but earth is that because see this predates the church so we're the third party Succinctly, it may be referred to as a relationship between a principal and an agent, whereby the principal expressly or impliedly authorizes the agent to work under his control and on his behalf. The agent is thus required to negotiate on behalf of the principal or bring to the principal the third parties into contract. So when Paul talks about ministry of reconciliation, he understands when he talks about ambassadorship, he understands because in that era, the Bible that we're the, the, the I'll say Bible. I'll stick with that. But the Bible that they are, you know, trying to downgrade is not in the same era. It is just not. Sorry, an agency is a sovereigns or other authorized entities. Remotely located staff of credentialed representatives empowered to carry out satellite business on its behalf, like satellite schools and satellite offices, the same power that they would have had at headquarters they have in the remote location. I don't know if we could be any more remote than heaven to earth. Okay. I'm just trying to think, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. Now, if you're a prophet or prophetic, or if you're a minister, this pertains to anybody that a sovereign or other authority uses, employs, engages, or deploys. Prophets are both employed and deployed agents are employed and deployed and you need to look at that that's what we teach when we're talking about prophetic ed so but the fact is you must be credentialed there must be something that says to the population that you are sent to serve that you have a right to interfere in its business to acquire its data to acquire its private information and to handle affairs that the normal citizen outside of a friendly neighbor has no right to touch. Powerful the prophetic is. And look at how shabbily we have done it, how sloppily we've brought it down. Okay. Agencies are empowered by principles to be their authorized Representatives seeing to its interest in distant areas. We'll clean that up when you see it again, it'll look nicer. It's saying, but understand agency, principal, interest, distance. Agency, principal, or representative, interest, so What are we hearing today on social media? Now, I don't think that's the sum of the prophetic. Like I said, I'm convinced God's got some powerful prophets. I'm waiting to connect with them and powerful apostles who are not just charismatic. All right? But what interest would a prophet have in a distant area or on earth for God? If you're going to have a prophet's education program, a prophet's training program, you need to figure out, what the interests are. What is God interested in? See, now when I I phrase it like that, it's different, isn't it? So what is God interested in? He's interested in life. He's interested in passing his son's life on to the earth. He's interested in overturning life with death, poverty with prosperity, despair with hope. See, God's interests are real. Once we get those interests laid out, we then have to find out how to walk them and talk them. So how does that look in a human environment? What does it take to to take a soul from despair and hopelessness to hope? What, what, What does that require? What does it require to take an impoverished nation and make it prosperous? See, those are God's interests. Being prosperous because you predicted something that happened devils can predict things that happen agency licensor gives institutions distant offices permission to speak and act in their name a jurisdiction is a sphere of influence power and control de- delegated to a peculiar entity to be exercised or enforced in another's place so we, assist, we become jurisdictions. The word jurisdiction is a very interesting word. Juris is law, and dis- diction is what? Speak. So you have the power of being the law in that land. So jurisdiction, we thought about it being, you know, well, it's the people that like you. They, let me tell you, the folks that have jurisdiction over us, they, they don't care whether we like them or not. It is also what gives them the jurisdictional authority to execute matters on the, on the sender's behalf. An agency lawfully negotiates for the headquarters. It handles its affairs, conducts, and manages its business to achieve its authorizer's best interest or predetermined ends. Agency authority could include rulership, government, or other control, or be simply limited to administration or administrative management. Or executive management, if you will Did that speak to anybody? So The reason you can't be a prophet In under 20 years Is because there's a host Of knowledge that you must embody God said to me Last week, he said, you do realize That my angels are my filing system They're my archives What I'm doing right now, I'm manifesting As God's archives I'm manifesting As his library I'm manifesting as his facility and his facilitator. Because God uses beings. Remember? One more and we're done. For the prophetic leader to discharge an office requires faithfully and accurately pronouncing and enforcing the of matters related the messenger's appointed governmental and administrative purview beyond prophesying, meaning beyond prediction. And I'll show you that. This requisite speaks to prophet's organization, supervisory, declarative, and regulatory duties over his or her assigned people group, entity, or assembly. The assignment in this content or geographical area the Lord grants the prophet his authority to govern on his behalf. The scripture makes plain the wisdom and validity of this explanation. In Romans 1518 to 21, the apostle Paul understood jurisdictional authority to be to make the Gentiles obedient to Christ. The re- writer of Hebrews 13:17 17, adds that this is to be done by God's leaders as those who must give an account. Jurisdictionally, for this authority extends to governing, protecting, defending, legislating, and flourishing God's people and their possessions in one or more of the following capacities. So we won't get into those capacities right now, but I want you to understand that to be a prophet, to be a leader, to be a minister is based on nothing but public performance. All of the work that goes into seeing to it that this kingdom doesn't fall, clearly it got lost somewhere because we're free falling. Clearly. So if we're going to catch this, we're going to have to start with bringing people back online with gift versus office. Now, I will give you a closing example that will make all of this make sense. So you can say, well, this is confusing and whatever, but I will ask you, until Biden got in office, none of his crazy could affect us. Right. 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 He was a gifted politician. Gifted by whom? We don't want to deal with that. <laughs> but his gift is what he ran his campaign on. Absolutely. But the office turned his gift into a weapon, yeah. Yeah. into an instrument. If you ever want I mean in no time in history is there a better example of gift versus office and the distinctions between the two. That's the best example. And everything everything he said before was I wanna do and I'm thinking about and whatever. And everybody's like, Ha ha yeah, who cares? He got in the office, he made the office do what he wanted. That's the power of gift. Versus office Well we've come to the end (laughs) So people the church can talk about My gifting all day long They have no power to affect the office Because the office When you are put in office The office gives you the power To make it do what you want and you should want what your sender and your appointer set you in position to accomplish for it on its behalf. Now, I don't know about you. Did you all think this was worthwhile in terms of?
1: Move? Yes,
0: any comments you'd like to share with us before we say goodbye? Do they have any? Yes, yeah,
1: don't go.
0: <laughs> that's it huh don't go well you'll have to um enroll in price university where we do all of these teachings and you know people uh, apostle ashley and you and chief can attest people have picked at me for how long because i didn't let you all run out there how long
1: Well, let's see. You started really pushing us out there, what, five years ago?
0: After, and you oh, had been ordained how long?
1: Well, we were ordained in 2006. There you go. And so you took great fire. You're
0: sitting on their gifts, and
1: you don't want to join Dr. Price because if you join our organization, you're going to have to shut yours down and on and on and on. And, on. and so that was, a, I mean, that was a huge part of the campaign against your ministry, yeah. was because she didn't throw us out there prematurely. and – didn't let us just run out there in our own ministry names five minutes after we were ordained, and they can prophesy, and they can prophesy, and they can prophesy. And your one statement, I mean, it shut some people down, but um, you said, yeah, but I know the devils that are out there. Mm -hmm. And these devils don't care that they're young prophets and they're new. In fact, they're going to pound on them (laughs) twice as hard, twice as fast, because they are new. And so, yeah. Yeah. You sat on us for a long time and ultimately had to really kick us out there yeah. because then we were like, we're not going because we've seen the warfare. And you said, yeah. stop
0: it. The warfare and the fail fair. I told you to set up your website. You know, yes. Mm-hmm. But, the, but, you know, thank you. Because, you know, what's important is that I had to turn those gifts into faculties mm-hmm. so they could facilitate the office. As long as we stayed with the gift, it was anointing, who could prophesy, whatever. And those faculties, and, though, and, and not only the faculties, I had to turn them into weapons of war, and I had to turn them into implements and instruments of defense. So there's a whole lot more to it than me saying, oh, isn't that nice? She can predict. My daughter has been prophesying since she was five. Right. I know. Because at five years old, a man came to
1: me. On, tell her this business.
0: A man came to our house. My daughter got that, how old were you, Tyler, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, four or five? She was four when she got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I mean, she got it dramatically. It wasn't a matter of that. No, no, she got it slain in the spirit and stayed out almost two hours. We still don't know where she went. But when she came back, she was different. So she, a man came to our house. He wanted to visit me because, of course, I, I was prophesying and whatever. And she said to him, Tyler said to him, where's your girlfriend? He said, I don't have a girlfriend. He said, yes, and she called that woman's name and told him that is his girlfriend. Now, as much as a five-year-old can say it, he said, I'm never coming to your house again, and you need to hide her because she's dangerous.
1: <laughs>
0: and that wasn't a prediction. Because? That was a disclosure. <laughs> okay? Because he was married, wasn't he? Married? he, he was, well, they were both in ministry on the prophetic team, and they were having an affair. And she, they were pretend like they'd come to church separate, sit on the other side of the room. But as a little kid, all she saw was that they were less. Now, when you think, that's why I'm so hot on taking care of these kids when that thing starts operating, when they're young. I'm very hot on that. But notice, I didn't throw her out there as a protesor. Right. I probably could have but she sure was telling everybody's business.
1: <laughs>
0: Come here, honey. <laughs> and so and she, was, she was ordinarily bright and very articulate at a very early age. She did everything early. And so my point is that our standards and our motivation for putting people out there early is that proud mom and dad, stage mom, stage dad spirit. And they don't care about the fact that Satan's job is to crush any newcomer to that office. I don't care if they're five. I don't care if they're 55. His job is to crush them. And if he can't crush them, then he must turn them. He must seduce them. And what we see is that he seduced them. Why because they did not have the education they did not have the background They did not have the experience or the exposure to recognize. What is God and what is not God? And that is why I didn't do it I said well, I'm not gonna send you all out there to get beat up because first of all I was beat
1: up
0: (laughs) So I understood I was beat up and I was beat up twice first for the prophet then for the apostle talk about double portion and so I was not going to do it, and I still won't. And so people, they don't want to hang with us because they don't want to be good. They'd rather be at risk. Oh, wow. So we have a lot of at-risk prophets out there and Mm. senior leaders putting them at risk, knowing that their tenure will be short, knowing that they will be seduced, knowing that their homes will be wrecked, their families will be wrecked, knowing all of that. But, hey, I get the glory of you being the cutie on the stage. That's not who we are, and that's not what we do. We had a good time. I went over a little bit, but hey, somebody asked me not to go. I guess I obeyed and didn't even think about it. <laughs> Join us Sunday at the embassy, home of the Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands. You don't want to miss Sunday because I'm going into the technology of our, of our theology and the whole biology piece. I've found the scientific link you don't want to miss it again eight o'clock sunday school with the hammer with the force and then hallelujah and then 10 o'clock we have worship service and we like to worship and trust me prophets apostles real ministers and also uh five folders they love worship You worship because you know that's an opportunity for all God's people to come in, shake off the world, shed the devils, but also thank God for getting you through another week. And in this environment, we need to thank him for getting us through another week, every week. Every week we don't have anything. Also, share, 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 and then share again. I think that there is enough in this for those of you who are prophetic educators and you you all who are prophet trainers, coaches, and mentors. You've got enough in here to alter what you're doing. I just gave you the rationale for why I do it differently, and I didn't give you my feelings. I didn't give you my opposition, my disagreement. I gave you hard facts on what we are supposed to do. And when you research all of those strong terms, this comes up, but it does take research. Lastly, sow a seed. I have given you abundant spiritual manna. And you reciprocate by sowing material seed, not just because of the manna, the good meal you just had, but also you want to sow the seed because it creates covenant. When you sow seed, you create covenant to alter the transaction of something that you want enough to invest in. So sow seed. It should be on the screen. Is there anything else? All right. She says there's nothing else. We are done. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Sunday. Amen.